Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Dan Dickow here for the ISO and SB Live Sports on the Believe Podcast Network. Today's release, just a, a couple thoughts about the middle of December and the sports calendar, the sports landscape. was sitting there over the weekend kind of reading a bunch of articles, watching uh, some great college basketball and, and just kind of looked at it and thought that typically this middle of December stretch is one of the slower, maybe six, seven day stretches uh, of the sports calendar. In particular, um, the college sports calendar that you're going to see throughout the year. And I think one of the reasons is, one of the easy reasons is, is, is a college finals week for pretty much every school, whether on semesters, whether you're on the quarter system, right? Right about now is when uh, you're going to be having a little bit of a break from games as far as if you look at some teams, they'll have a six, seven day gap between games. Um, you'll go six or seven day gap, Christmas break starts. Most college basketball teams will try to jam in another two, maybe three games before they'll let the guys go home for Christmas for, for a day or two. I remember going home for Christmas freshman year would have been 48 hours. Sophomore year would have been about the same. Um, my red shirt year was great. I got to go home for about two weeks, which for a college kid is, uh, that's an athlete is unheard of, uh, partly because the, the Gonzaga team that year, my red shirt year, they all went to, uh, Christmas time tournament in the, in Hawaii. I think it was the diamond head classic. So they were, they were over there for like seven days or something. So I had no no reason to be on campus, no reason to be in Spokane. And then I believe my junior, senior year again, it was you know 36 to 48 hours flying back up to Spokane on Christmas at, afternoon, Christmas evening uh, for a late night Christmas practice. But um, yeah, it's one of the one of the slower weeks uh, of the of the calendar. Um, and I think it's it's a time where you can kind of look back at the early part of the college basketball season and and I think for this year there's been a tremendous amount of excitement a tremendous amount of uh, things to track and follow I think if you stay on the topic of college sports um, you got the same thing you've had a tremendous thing amount of things to track and follow and get excited about uh, I know the Heisman Trophy was just this past weekend Bryce Young of Alabama won he did have a comment that didn't really sit well with me. Um, not that I care too much, but I, I just find it odd. And I find it, unfortunately, a comment that too many kids these days make um, at, at both the college, high school even level, the high school level of college and the professional levels, make a comment along the lines of, I've always been counted out and no one's ever believed in me. 
Well, I looked at Bryce Young. He's making a million dollars or so this year as a college student do these new NILs. You don't just get that if nobody believes in you, especially somebody's believing you if you're on scholarship at Alabama. Somebody's believing in you um, if you're being paid these NIL opportunities before you win a Heisman, as he ends up winning the Heisman this year. He go He's from modern day high school in Orange County, California. Modern day is not an easy athletic school or academic school, first off, to get into. They literally recruit any and everybody that is great in Southern California, and they're probably going to get those guys. Um, they've been maybe the best high school football program in the country, at least top five for quite some time. They're at least top one or top two high school programs in high school football in the state of California. And so he makes this comment that he's always been doubted. He's always been um, counted out. I don't buy that. Uh, that to me is just, you're looking for uh, an excuse. You're looking for pity's not the right word, but you're looking for, for even more validation of the award or the success that you're having. Um, I mean, flip it and turn it and say it that, Hey, you know what? Uh, I've been put in some opportunities that because of my hard work, I've been blessed to take advantage of them and they're turning out really well right now. Um, again, I just, that, that one doesn't sit well with me. <coughs> Excuse me. And you'll get a lot of these other guys that, you know, hey, I've been I'm being slept on. Nobody's no nobody respects my game. Yet when you look at their Instagram page or their Twitter page, they've got seven, eight, nine division one offers. And they're saying they're slept on. Put things in, in perspective. Realize at an earlier age the opportunities that are being afforded to you. Um, and, and understand where the pecking order within athletic lies. Uh, I think that was one of my um, things that I recognized and realized early on in my career. I, I I knew I was good. I knew I had a chance to continue to be good at the next level that I was uh, aspiring to with the current level that I was at. But I also realized my race was my race. Baron Davis was the best point guard on the West Coast and coming out of high school. I wasn't going to be recruited by the same schools as he was. I just knew – UCLA wasn't going to recruit me. Kansas probably wasn't recruit me. Duke wasn't going to recruit me. I didn't feel like I was slept on in any way, shape, or form. I felt like I my my offers, the schools that were interested in me, were interested for a reason because they saw something in me. I was in turn seeing something in them, and I thought there would be a potentially a really good fit at those schools, which is why there was recruitment. Um, and I just, I, it just really bothers me when I see these younger athletes acting like they're being disrespected, but and disrespected by who? I mean, college evaluation services, uh, they see tons of kids. Um, very rarely, occasionally they do, but very rarely are they trying to hurt kids. Many times they're actually trying to pump kids up and take that subscription service fee and make money off of parents, fans, even the student athletes, as well as college coaches uh, to get their lists. Um, so just something that came up and bothered me over the weekend. But, you know, 
uh, college football is nearly over. I think it's been really interesting to watch the, the coaching carousel and how that's worked. I know I touched on it last week, and, and uh, I don't remember if it was a recent thoughts uh, podcast or if it was a mailbag, but it's really interesting how college football coaching carousel is working this year. Um, I, the one thing I don't understand or I don't agree with with college football, but I do get it because there's so much money, is the bowl series and the schedule of bowl games. I mean, literally, if you're 500 in a power conference, you're going to a bowl game. Maybe not a good bowl game. That, that's like, I mean, that would be like in the NCAA tournament for college basketball. Anybody that's 500, you're in the tournament. You didn't deserve it. Maybe you played a light schedule to front load uh, your schedule in non-conference and build it up to be able to get to 500. Um, I just don't get that. I don't buy it. I don't agree with it. Um, I, I think there's too many bowl games. And then you're starting to see players opt out of these bowl games so that they can prepare for the in, or for the NFL draft. Uh, I'm not a big fan of that as either, but it is what it is. Uh, that, that is the landscape of, of some of these things today. But one of the other things that I wanted to, there's two other topics I wanted to touch on really quick today. And if you have thoughts, comments, likes, disagreements, whatever, send me a message on direct on, on social media, Twitter, Instagram at Dan Dickow 21 uh, email is Dickow at scorebooklive.com. That can help me with a mailbag episode coming up. That can help me with uh, forming another great topic to discuss uh, on my own on this podcast. So, um, but the thing that is really kind of catching my eye right now is Steph Curry chasing Ray Allen's uh, three-point record in the NBA. What he has done in transforming the game has been uh, awesome to watch. Uh, you have to just look at the skill level that he plays with and the passion and the joy and just take a st- seat, step back, and enjoy it. Uh, I know I've, I've caught myself watching uh, more Warriors games over the last couple of days, a uh, couple weeks, just because not, – not because he's chasing this record, but because he's been on such a tear – uh, shooting the ball, making plays for others, uh, elevating his whole entire teammates on that roster to have great seasons. Uh, I think they're 21 and five as we speak on this podcast. Um, and Steph is maybe, I believe it's six made threes behind Ray Allen to overtake him for the all time three pointers made list. But the unique and the cool thing about it is he took like 500, 600 games less to get to that. So you can see how the game has transformed and changed about the emphasis on the three point line. And so much of that is because of Steph Curry and the way he plays and played up till now through his skill set and his view and his approach for the game. You also have to give the two coaches that he's had in the NBA a lot of credit. Started off with Mark Jackson, who would allow him the freedom to test things early in his career to shoot deep pull up threes in transition. And then it's expanded under Steve Kerr, who's really done in his first time as a head coach, an unbelievable job of tweaking and tailoring and finding a system that is unique, that gives Steph Curry and all his skills and his strengths, freedom to go out there and search for opportunities uh, and get guys to understand and buy in their strength of a team 
is to play with space, but to give Steph the freedom to, at times, take 15, 20 dribbles on a possession. At times, set five, six screens off the ball for him. At times, give him three pick and rolls. At times, give him three dribble handoff DHOs. So the way that they tweak and, and manipulate and change how they get into actions for him is mind-blowing. And the responsibility that Steph has to be in great shape, to take great shots, to keep his teammates involved uh, is also something to really keep an eye on and, 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 and be in awe of. I mean, I, I can't say anything other than the more I watch him, the more I'm in awe of what he does. Do I think he's the greatest player of all time? No, that's Michael Jordan. But I do think he's probably the most skilled player of all time. And when you think about what he's doing at his size, 6'3", about 195 pounds, um, it's unbelievable. I had a chance to play against him one time. It was my last training camp in the NBA. He was a rookie with the Warriors. I was with the Suns. It was a preseason game. I guarded him for maybe three, four minutes of the game. Uh, and it was his rookie year. I was blown away by his handle, the way he moved on the floor, the quickness in all of his movements, the quickness of his handle, the quickness of his decision-making into passing, the quickness and in, in precision of his cuts, and his, and his quickness of his shooting release. And this was as a rookie. I mean, fast forward this 11 years or so now and see how he's changed the game and see how he's taken advantage of those skills I just mentioned to have the success he's had. It's pretty cool. Last topic I kind of really wanted to hit on in today's recent thoughts episode is how good has college basketball been this year? I mean, I think we all who follow it and and really like the game knew it was going to be a really good college basketball season. So many guys didn't go to the NBA draft. They decided to come back. A lot of really hyped players um, graduated high school, reclassified to be able to get to college early. And then you had just some regular classification high school kids that had tremendous resumes coming in. You first think of um, Chet Holmgren, Paulo Banchero as those guys. And then the previous group that I mentioned, you're thinking Imani Bates, Jalen Duran at Memphis, even though those guys – uh, as a team in Memphis, haven't gelled the way thought, people thought they might. Um, but you get guys that return. Guys get an extra COVID year. So now you're seeing more experience on more rosters. And so you're seeing a lot of mid-major level type teams really elevate themselves. One that comes to mind quickly for me is San Francisco. They're 10-0. and Jamari Bouye uh, comes back for his senior year. He's averaging, uh, I want to say, around 20, 21 points a game. And he is absolutely lighting it up for Todd Golden's dons. It's, it's really fun to watch. Um, you've had four number one teams early in the first six preseason or six polls, coaches and AP polls. Uh, so it shows a lot of balance. You've seen a, a lot of big upset wins. You've seen a lot of, uh, you know, dominant wins. Um, but you're seeing a lot of great matchups this year amongst college basketball. And I think that was necessary. The, the bubble was great. There was some all-time classic games in there, in particular the Gonzaga-UCLA game where Jalen Suggs hits uh, that half-court shot to advance Gonzaga to the title game. But what you're looking at, I think, is, is a shift back to on-campus 
big time matchups in college basketball between powerhouse teams. And I hope that continues. Um, there was a couple great ones just this weekend. Uh, Baylor hosted Villanova and Baylor looked every bit as dominant as they did a season ago. Their, their defense was tremendous, but um, you know, give Villanova credit to go and play there. Villanova also went and played at UCLA. Those are great games. We need to see more of those. Um, Alabama went to Seattle. Granted, it's not Gonzaga's home court, but they flew 2,500 miles or so, however far it is from Huntsville, to Seattle to play Gonzaga in front of a pro-Gonzaga crowd of you know 18,000. Um, and then Alabama plays Houston. That was a tremendous college basketball game. You need to see more of those. Arizona goes to Illinois. Illinois is good, not great this year in my estimation. I think they're really missing uh, DeSunmo. But Arizona is looking every bit the of a one seed, as you can imagine. And th- these are just five games that quickly come to mind. I mean, you can look at Duke-Gonzaga. You can look at Duke-Kentucky at MSG, even though it's not on campus and neither was the Gonzaga game, the, the Gonzaga-UCLA game. You can look at... Um, so many teams are finally starting to realize, I think, after um, COVID, um, hey, these kids' careers are short. Let's play as many great games as we can. And I hope that's something that really continues to move forward uh, amongst college basketball because it's it's great for the players. It's great for the programs. And more importantly, I think it's great for fans because it's going to bring a bigger spotlight on college basketball earlier in this season, especially right now, as I mentioned to start this off, it's kind of a, one of, at times it can be slower weeks because of college football wrapping, NFL being in kind of the dog days of the season, NBA doesn't really get a, a, a ton of attention from the average fan until after Christmas. Maybe this is a way that college basketball, if in this early December phase, they can do a great job after kickstarting a lot of attention during the Thanksgiving week with all these preseason tournaments, if they can keep it going with some great uh, matchups, preferably on campus. Well, thanks again for listening. If you're a new listener, appreciate it. Click that subscribe button, like, review. You have any questions, send them my way. We do a mailbag Wednesday, each Wednesday. Uh, But we got some great guests coming up later this week as well as next week. So take care. God bless. Have a great week. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.